And welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Coruscant Pulse. This is episode number 78 for July 17th, 2017. We are exactly 150 days away from the last Jedi hitting theaters. And with me as always is James and David. I'm a little bit surprised. We're more than halfway there. uh, And we still don't have a second trailer yet. That makes me sad. I feel like it was the same last year. Yeah, you know, I think it might have been, but I think the big difference was Gareth Edwards had no interest in keeping secrets throughout that entire thing for the most part. Like, there were constant pictures and updates going on about what everything looked like for Rogue One specifically. Although that that actually does raise the other point. I remember towards the end of the media campaign for Rogue One... We had that conversation that one week where I think they had 14 different trailer cuts release. And we were just like, my God, this is this is just too much. <laughs> because we thought that we might be able to splice together a fairly hefty chunk of the movie from just that footage. Because there were so many of them. And it was all like after after the final trailer. Yeah, because they were just like, okay, this is the last trailer. And it was like... Oh, look, here's another 14, 15 of them that we forgot. TV spot, international, TV, international, international. Yeah, it's just craziness. They made it rain. And that they did. Oh, one thing. Before we go ahead and start with the Star Wars talk, I want to go ahead and apologize for the sound quality at the end of our last episode. I had a mic cord blowout, and it was something we couldn't hear until we went in and edited things. Normally, we don't allow that type of uh, amateurish uh, sound quality, but uh, we didn't know what was going on. So the problem has been fixed. New mic cord purchase. want to go ahead and apologize. The people who are in charge have been executed. We don't fuck around here on the Coruscant Pulse. I'm ready. Then give me another one. <laughs> yeah, we got we got no trailer. We got a we got a little uh, behind the scenes thing, which we all kind of knew uh, from rumors and stuff that that's what was going to happen. But Although, did you see John Boyega? <laughs> immediately, immediately afterwards, he sounded a tweet basically saying, "Oh, that was all well and good, Ryan, but show them the goddamn trailer," <laughs> which which he did not. No, no. Which makes me sad, but I, I hope that they have a full plan for that. But we'll see. Still, even though it was behind the scenes, I feel like we got a uh, we got some more information out of it. So I think one of the things that was really interesting with the way that the behind the scenes trailer worked was how they started things off. And they really started it off with with the sounds that to me mean star wars i mean outside of the bell that that kicks the whole thing off because it starts off the sounds of of you know work being done on a ship you know in a very literal sense i believe they were welding it r2d2 sounds the sounds of lightsabers those are the things that immediately just pop and bam that's star wars and then you know then anthony daniels do the first little bit and i don't know I probably wouldn't have picked him to be my open line, but, you know, it worked out all right. Were there any uh, big visuals for you guys that jumped out in the trailer? We definitely, for sure, Finn and the new Asian character, uh, what's her name? Or either uh, Rose, I think. And they're either double agents or infiltrating a first order base? Yep. Which one do you think it is? They're infiltrating, I'm sure, because you also see Poe, you know, Poe, you see uh, Finn in a X-Wing outfit, too. So I do wonder, like, what the timeline for a lot of that's going to wind up being. I think for me, like, some of the pieces that were most interesting are actually some of the shots where you actually see Ryan Johnson, like, around with 
the with the actors like those seem to me to be like a really neat shot like they for me one of the really iconic ones is you have mark hamill in his luke skywalker outfit and ryan johnson just sitting next to one another talking it happens about the 32nd mark in and that for me was just a really super powerful visual of the guy directing in a lot of ways something that hit me wasn't really powerful or anything but you have a shot of like red clay exploding over a camera that uh, is covered up. And I was just like, oh, practical effects. Other directors would have done that CGI. Um, maybe. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it just, it felt real. That it did. It definitely felt real and visceral because it was. For me, that's actually at about the 55 second mark when you have that overhead shot of the... Uh, resistance like inner base and the explosions go off that for me was one of the big pieces that was awesome because like it's a lot of flash and then they have like i think cardboard pieces that they like blasted into the air with it and that just all looks super cool or the flame coming over an a-wing yeah yeah i dug the uh i believe that red is from uh that one planet we saw in the uh teaser trailer where those ships are making their way towards the new walkers and it appears that yeah when they're kicking up whatever that uh it's not snow but that whatever the white ground material is it turns red underneath yeah i I think that's exactly it and they're in some sort of trench it looks like because we see ryan johnson like peering over it in some sort of ladder so assuming people are hiding in some sort of like trench line while the walkers are uh, shooting at them and that's some sort of an explosion or this earth getting uh, chopped up but i I do like the color scheme that they got going for that place and it kind of ties into the posters that they launched with the red and the original uh, last jedi uh, trailer poster so the color scheme, that's something that's just, you know, I, I would like to see that in the context more of the film. I mean, we saw a little bit in the teaser, but that's something we didn't get in The Force Awakens. You know, this this movie looks like it has some sort of color palette. And to me, that shows signs of uh, a director with uh, some sort of uh, vision making a movie. I also think, like, he's got color palettes planet by planet in a lot of ways because... That planet, I think all the colors we're going to see there are going to be drastically different from everything that we see in the other place, which that's something that we now know, like the, you know, in the earlier photos from Vanity Fair and the like, where they had the whole creature feature, we now know that is a casino. So someone's going to a casino and that's going to be real interesting. I don't think we know who's going there yet, but there's certainly a casino. Yeah, we did get a good shot of uh, the from the other side of that uh, explosion we saw in the Rebel hangar from the first teaser, and you can definitely see that, yeah, there are two uh, A-wings there and, a, and an X-wing getting blown up. You know, uh, you know, this goes back to something else that we talked about before, but Captain Phasma, you know, we talked about this, I think, specifically in the last episode, about how I thought that they were going to wind up doing right by Phasma in terms of she was going to wind up being a much more lethal, much more aggressive character than the basically like Colonel Clink. But yeah, as opposed to being Colonel Clink, like she seems like a much more lethal force. And I think that I see that in just the small pieces from this trailer. Granted, I mean, last time I thought it was going to be the same thing, but I mean, you see her twice and she just walks, but this time it actually looks like she's killing people. So that's, that's a change of pace. She got an upgrade. I didn't see her killing nobody. You know, were there any other visuals that kind of jumped out at you guys? 
Because if we're done with the visuals, there were a couple of statements that were said that really kind of struck home with me and make me way more interested in this film than I thought I was going to be. Because, I mean, like, I was going to see it because it was Star Wars. But there were a couple of things that were specifically said that piqued my interest. Oh, I heard some things that piqued my interest that I don't think we'll let you two will enjoy. Oh, you can't you can't just lay that on us. So, what'd you think? It wasn't in the behind the scenes itself. I think it was in the some of the Good Morning America interviews. Basically, everyone is pushing this gray narrative. Rose was saying, you know, all the characters were all gray. They asked Ray, are they exploring different, more gray areas? They said, absolutely. Everyone said this is a very gray film. Oh, are you thinking it means that some kind of like gray Jedi bullshit? I think it's a guarantee. I don't know. I think that's just a coincidence. I understand that they're probably saying that, yeah, she is not like a Jedi. She's not going to do exactly the same things that a Jedi typically would. And I think it's okay, but it's also one of those things where it's just like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like a gray Jedi or something like that. You know, light and dark aren't Jedi and Sith. I think that's something important to recognize. Makes sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just reading through some of the comments right now just so I get it right. Basically, the entire interweb is a fire because everyone pushed a gray theory. Um, everyone is pushing out this gray theory, you know. Ridley said this is the second of three films, so there may be a lot of gray. That's very exciting. Who knows? Well, I think... Here, is Han Solo a gray hero? He's the only gray hero. Oh... I don't know about that. Well, I guess that's also because, like, I am I am on board with Billy D. Williams' defense of Lando Calrissian from Robot Chicken. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think that's just the uh, people getting hopeful for something silly. I don't know. Pablo Hidalgo trashed the gate, the gray Jedi code. If he's acting as a smokescreen on or Twitter not. a bunch of times, so I don't know if they're. Uh... But he had a pretty good, and he did pretty roughly. I mean, that's that's pretty. People will quote that tweet, throw it back in yeah. his face, Trump style, because he totally comes out against it. In the behind the scenes thing, there's a point where John Boyega talks about how, you know, everything is being shifted in opposite way to how you would expect after Episode Seven. So good, and and specifically that Ryan has made Star Wars fresh and new. And when I when I heard that along with the visuals that went along with it. What really struck home with me was it's just like, yeah, this is something that we could really, that, that we can see that will be interesting here. This is something that, that I'm excited for, that I'm interested in. I want to be surprised by Star Wars. I don't want, if there's one thing I don't want, I don't want to feel how I felt at the end of The Force Awakens the first time I saw when Luke Skywalker came onto the screen. When he came onto the screen, it panned, and I said to myself, they're not giving him a goddamn line. And I was right. Like, I, I want to be surprised. I don't want to be toyed with. I want, I want to be told a very interesting story. And I feel like from everything I've heard from all of these, like, interviews and the people, that if nothing else, Brian Johnson has pulled together an interesting story here. Yeah, I just, I really want to see a trailer. I wouldn't mind knowing, and I don't want to wait till November, I wouldn't mind knowing the first act story arc, or at least starting off Yeah, point, some kind of theme. At least knowing something about what the fuck the movie's about. Yeah, uh, you know, th this is, I've heard all the same stuff talked about Rogue One, talked about The Force Awakens, shit, talked about a couple of the prequel movies from way back when, and just show me the trailer. Don't talk about it. Show me the fucking thing. Don't tell me your story. Don't 
Well, you'll have to wait till December 15th to find out. I can know what the hell's going on between the First Order and Resistance starting off. It's not going to ruin it for me, and it's going to generate interest. For me, this doesn't generate interest. I get like this, just this like sort of depressed, lackluster feeling about it you know i just i i'm not as interested in it with these uh behind the scenes things now like i don't want to you know all these things are out of order they're not shot in the way that you're supposed to be seeing them let's see the movie first and then in the context of actually seeing the film i would like to know how the film was made if it's a movie i i give two craps about like i just spent Last night watching, uh, what was it, The Hobbit behind the scenes. I, you know, those movies were all right, and more so The Lord of the Rings, I thought were better films. But I like seeing how they do it, and they really go in-depth on how they make those movies. I mean, almost scene by scene on how they do every little gag and trick and stuff in each shot. So Yeah, I can understand that. That's when I want to watch it, not before. If there's one concrete piece that I feel like I got out of this one that I didn't get out of The Force Awakens, and to a limited extent I got it out of the Rogue One one as well, but it looks like the actors are having a lot of fun on The Last Jedi. And that that feels like a positive thing to me. Like, to see them interacting with one another, to see them relaxing with one another to see them enjoying what they're doing because it feels like they're excited about this film in a way that now maybe it's just because harrison ford's not there to like kick everything down a notch but you know (laughs) still it's it's one of those things where it looked vibrant it looked like people were excited to be there and excited to tell this story And, and that's that's really i think for me the piece that i caught out of it because like i i can understand you know Tom, you're much more, you want a trailer to actually tell you, you know, in broad strokes what you're going to see. For me, what I get out of the behind the scenes thing isn't anything remotely like that. It is the excitement that they had putting it together. And that's, that's what comes through to me. And that's great. You know, I mean, but to me again, I do not want to see uh, millionaires having fun. You know, how, how much fun is that? It's, it's not too much fun for Tom. But I am personally more of a fan of behind the scenes after watching a film, not before. You know, what was the first movie that, that in the Star Wars set that did that? Was The Force Awakens the first one that did this thing? Okay. No. Yeah, they did the behind the scenes. I mean, there's some behind the scenes footage with the prequels, but they're they're coming out with this uh, huge sizzle reel, really, like, beforehand as it being a release in this type of format. I mean, that was The Force Awakens. Oh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm specifically talking about in advance of the film. Like, yeah, everyone has some behind-the-scenes footage that they can shoot and put on DVD extra. I'm talking about releasing it in this manner ahead of a film. Because, I mean, I agree with both of you. You know, behind-the-scenes stuff is really more interesting after you've actually seen the film so you can understand what is there. I think there's a very particular subset that really likes this. But, you know, I'm with you guys. I would have rather had a trailer. That doesn't mean I didn't get anything out of the behind the scenes. Like, yeah, I can like the behind the scenes and still say, no, a trailer trailer would be real nice about now. Yeah, and a trailer that, that kinda reveals a little bit of what the story is gonna be. Not not one of these not one of these weirdo, you know, uh surreal trailers where it's just images and very little dialogue and everything's out of context. You know, if you're telling me, Well, what's your story about? Tell me about your fucking story. 
don't bombard me with this uh this weirdo nonsense i want you know i want to know you know you go watch the trailer for the movie dunkirk getting british guys off the beach world war ii you know what else is out coming out now war for the planet of the apes they're fighting apes gotta stop them it's not giving me you know there's more nuance in both of those movies but they don't go ahead you at least know what it's about this is about i don't know you know the first order and them fighting more why i don't know you know it's yeah but you know that wasn't everything that happened at d23 should we move on to uh, some of the other stuff that was revealed there perhaps the other behind the scenes thing that got released Ooh, that was a good one yeah so they also during the video game piece did a behind the scenes video uh for star wars battlefront 2 behind the story which had uh, some of most of it was not new news most of it had already been told to us at ea play and but at the same time there were a couple of other details that personally i got very excited for um and that is really uh the character um of what was his name hask is that right i think it was hask yeah yeah so hask is a member of inferno squad and is being played by paul blackthorne uh people might know paul blackthorne because he played uh uh, Sergeant Lance in the Arrow series and in the Arrow universe of things. Um, he also played uh, Harry Dresden in the short-lived sci-fi uh, sci-fi TV specials for uh, the Dresden Files. Uh, he's just done a lot of different things, but he, in the Arrow in particular, he is exceptionally good at playing a very intense, angry human being. And that seems to be very similar to what he's going to be in Battlefront 2. Good. And I was a little bit surprised because he's not, he's, I mean, he's not a huge name, but he's not exactly a small unknown name either. Translation, he wasn't cheap, but he wasn't expensive. Probably that would be exactly true. But yeah, so what did, what did you guys think about it? I think one thing that surprised me was the sheer volume of mocap stuff that it looked like they were doing. That actually impressed me. Um, you know, a lot of games, a lot of the higher end games, they do that. They do a lot more mocap than they do just all CGI. So uh, that impressed me and told me they're taking it seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's a game. I uh, I was interested to play it. <laughs> really? I got nothing on Battlefront too. I know they yeah they had yeah I mean it, yeah they do mocap. It's easier for the animes or the animators to actually animate uh, real actions that are recorded. Not- Really, so I mean, shocking. like, I, I've been watching a couple of things on animation, specifically with what went wrong between Mass Effect Andromeda versus what happened with The Witcher 3 and the way that you do things like that. And yeah, Witcher 3 didn't have actors. And, and it was a complete procedural system. You know, it takes a lot of time in programming, but you can do it without actors. I've heard it's easier. Uh, I've heard it's easier from industry people on games, especially for cutscenes. If you want, I could link you to a whole bunch of stuff, but, I mean, this is something I've heard before. And, uh, D23 for me, I was very underwhelmed. Uh, it was all a lot of softball pitches. And not only for Star Wars, though. They did it as well with, uh, uh, Avengers and their other properties. I think D23 was what I expected it to be. Were, were you expecting something else? Uh, I was hoping for a trailer. I was hoping for other announcements. But, uh, well, I was expecting other announcements and, uh... Yeah, I was expecting actual trailers for, like, Infinity Wars and or, uh, 
some of their other live action features that are coming out since uh, Beauty and the Beast made a, a buttload of money, but uh, not a whole lot. Just a lot of, uh, you could tell they're in production uh, with a lot of things, or like with Star Wars. Hang on, before we move on from Battlefront 2, James, did you see uh, from the Inside the Magic YouTube channel of the piece, like the actual panel? So I didn't get a chance to watch the whole panel. I, I watched the the back behind the scenes footage and a little bit of the panel, but I didn't get a chance to finish it. Did you watch the end when John Boyega shows up? Because when John Boyega's talking and the like... They actually show footage of him doing something that has not yet been seen. I did not. And specifically what they show him is they show him with an alpha version. Because like the, the lady who plays Aiden Verso, Versio, it talks to him and asks him like, wait, you played the game? And he says, yes, I did. And then like he points up and and it rolls. And it's him sitting with, Mo, with I think it's Mo, no, Criterion, the guys who are doing the space combat thing. And it, it was really, really weird because it was unlike any space combat that I've seen in, in, a, in a Battlefront game, honestly. So that's, that's one thing that like, I wanted to call out. Like, if you can, go, go check out that clip. It looked really weird, potentially good, also potentially terrible. Well, I guess we'll see in a bit. But yeah, it was really interesting because you had – it was literally – they had the video of him sitting with one of the guys from Criterion explaining like how things were working as he was flying a TIE fighter. Uh, and the reason I know it's a TIE fighter is because I, I recognize the windshield. Ooh, that could be a lot of fun VR. Uh, it was not VR. He was on a PS4, I believe. I, I just I just fast-forwarded to it. Yeah, but you, you see what I mean, right? Shooting at ships. It looks weird, but it could be good. Yeah, it could be good, could be terrible. Um, yeah, for me, the Battlefield 2 stuff was really good. Anything more for me than what we already got for Battlefield 2. Uh, you know, I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to buy the collector's edition, whatever, because I'm interested in it, and it looks good, and I am a sucker for a pro-imperial story, and I think we're going to get a heavily pro-imperial story. Um, maybe not by the end of the storyline, maybe somebody... Has a change of heart, and we call them traitors and execute them summarily. But, you know, um, I'm excited for a pro-imperial video game. So you think that one of the twists at the end of the game is going to be that someone goes uh, to the Resistance or something like that? I don't know. I, I mean... <sighs> I, I think that they're going to abandon that redemption storyline. I think it's possible that one of the two guys, they mentioned the other, um, the other character, who's a bit more lighthearted and has traveled a lot of the world, and who's kind of like the funnier of them all. I feel like he might get turned or something like that, but I imagine either Versio or Hask is going to kill him. And I hope they do that, because quite frankly, Imperial Hardliners didn't just turn. They went down with the ship at Jakku. That they did. Yeah, and, and make no mistake, uh, Battlefront 2 looks like a fine game, like James said. I'm, I'm going to purchase it as well. It looks uh, leaps and bounds better than uh, uh, the first Battlefront game that came out, but uh, uh, the content I saw coming out of D23 was lackluster for said game. I mean, D23 is exactly that. It's a corporate conference held by Disney for Disney. It's a corporate conference that they're trying to turn into their own Comic-Con and uh, sell their stuff. And they're selling their stuff to the people that are showing up. The people that are showing up are getting more content than online. It's not like Comic-Con where the majority of what's seen or done at Comic-Con is released online. 
the majority of stuff at D23 is just for the people that show up there and they're 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 trying to tout it like it's uh their own little Comic-Con. Well, and next year, you know, this is probably going to be the only source of Star Wars movies next year since there's not going to be a celebration. Yeah. So that makes me actually worried. Does, and it wouldn't make me worried, save for the fact that it's going to be around the Han Solo movie, and I'm less concerned about that one. Or rather, less interested might be the right way to put it. Yeah, you're very concerned. You're just not interested. Yeah. On that note, one of the things that they did cover really heavily at D23 is the new amusement park that they're putting together in both Disneyland and Disney World, which is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. You guys have any uh, any thoughts about this thing? I need to stay me in one of them hotels. Wow, okay. I have nothing but negative thoughts, so why don't you guys talk about the positive? Brawling Complex, first of all, that is essentially supposed to be... You know, I've I've seen some people call it like Star Wars Westworld or something like that, where, you know, it's a potentially an interactive story that that basically follows you your entire stay there through the use of like Disney's fast pass bracelets and that sort of thing. They apparently uh, one of the things that you can do is you can fly the Millennium Falcon as a group or something like that. And then depending on how you do, you could have a bounty put out for you. Potentially, if you can't cover the cost, you could potentially have extra galactic credits that will do something, I imagine. You know, it's all it's all kind of neat, but different things. And that's that's one of the things that I, you know, think is kind of cool, you know, to build in that interactivity and to build in, you know, that story experience. It's not something that you could do multiple times, but I mean, you know, just speaking from my own experience, it's not really like you get to one of these amusement parks multiple times anyway. Interactive theater is becoming a very big thing, particularly here on the East Coast. I don't know if much in Chicago, but um, New York City's got interactive theater popping up all over the place, and you're paying like 150 bucks to be in this theater production with 15 other people in, in a, for three hours. I like the fact that they're going the route of interactive, like, not theater, but like storytelling at the amusement park. I think I know. I think I know where Tom's going to be negative, but for me personally, I I really like the idea that they're doing this, and the reason why is because you know i've never been to disney you know we we never went as a family when i was a kid and now as an adult it's kind of like well i've never been like i never was interested in it so what's the reason for me to go to disney well guess what i just got a big reason to go to disney so from a business just just a business perspective it makes a lot of sense what they're doing and i'm very excited to give them a lot of money i am less excited for the price tag that i'm sure this is going to set me back but i am excited to, to go I'm not excited for that price tag, but at the same time, it's like, listen, I've never been to Disney. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it this way, and this is the way I'm going to enjoy it. So I think another thing, though, that's also interesting is something that I'm I'm not 100% sure I feel. I'm, I'm really happy about it at this very moment because it's something that I'm not sure is a confirmation or not because it is a theme park, so who knows? But, you know, in the panel, they really wound up talking about the fact that this this entire theme park, like the theme parks, actually have a era setting. Like these theme parks and like are set post uh Return of the Jedi. And I don't know if they're set during bef- like right before or right after The Force Awakens, but The Force Awakens is the contemporary of this theme park specifically. Based off of the resistance, based off of the First Order. 
So that that's something kind of interesting to me, like to really explore that. The fact that they built it as a separate planet, one that hasn't been explored before, I think is a really smart move. And then the other piece that I found a lot of fun was Hondo. And the fact that this means that, well, it's not quite confirmation, but it could definitely mean that somehow Hondo is still kicking around the galaxy after episode after episode six, like let alone through episodes like four and five. I can only hope, and that's that's really my big hope right now, is that at that casino we see like you know it one of the background characters is just Hondo and Aka. That's that's all I want out of this film at the moment. And the and the casino is going to be Calarizians. That's going to be the name of it, Calarizians. Yeah, we've been seeing that. That's the only callback, you know, I've, we've always been saying, man, too many fucking callbacks. But uh, Hondo Anaka, no, that's one that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, gratefully just embrace. That's one we want to see. Like theme parks, I don't go to theme parks. I'm not going to this. It's too much money. Everyone I've ever known that's gone to Disney World, it's always been because they want a free trip uh, there. They've never, like, saved up and went. I'm in the wrong racket. That you are, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't, this is, uh, the over, the super commercialization, like, you want to sell some action figures, some toys, cool, fine, but, uh, this, this, it kind of turns my stomach with any, uh, property where you have, uh, this level of immersion and commercial, you know, it's just too much at this point, but I, I've never been one to collect a whole lot of Star Wars stuff, even though I am a big, big fan of it. I mean, is that any different than it used to be, though? The theme park is kind of the next level. I mean, if you look at some of the videos that they have of, like, uh, you know, the Stormtroopers and Vader dancing at Disney World and stuff, I mean, that's, that it's, I don't... It's not serious enough for you. Uh, yeah, it kind of loses it. So, you know, with, uh, with something that... I think we were all sort of dancing around and something that Tom sort of brought up was that you were expecting a certain announcement at D23 that did not happen. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on what happened there? Yeah, I think I think they're going to wait maybe till Comic-Con. Uh, it's been rumored that they already know what the last anthology film is going to be, so it could just be they're waiting for the right time to announce it. Uh, so they might be doing it this upcoming weekend. We don't know. Uh, they might be waiting until uh, Last Jedi comes out. Man, I think that might be, like, just in terms of my least favorite way for them to announce the next, the next film would be, is if they include it as, like, a trailer preview piece, and it's, like, Kathleen Kennedy and whoever the director is of the next film sitting together and in front of a camera with, like, a... a drape behind them or something like that and announcing the name of the film that would piss me off to no end i mean i kind of didn't expect that announcement at d23 just because as we had discussed we i already thought it was going to be a lot of softball stuff you're not going to announce a major thing like that at d23 i you know that's actually the exact opposite reason because it is all softball i this is where i expected it i specifically don't expect them to announce it at at uh sdcc because they're apparently only doing booth stuff at SDCC. They're not on any panels. They don't have anything planned for it. And as far as I can tell, they're not sending anyone out to it outside of booth management. Which, I mean, like, could all be like, oh, let's, like, take everybody by surprise. But, you know, at the same time, you know, 
if they wanted to really push D23 as the place for Star Wars news, especially because there's no celebration next year, announcing the name of the film or something like that, or the plot of the film or some ideas about the film at D23, that would have been a smart move. Yeah, if you want to make this your thing and you want to centralize all your properties here, this is the time when you're going to have to name drop, and I mean not name drop, drop all the names of all your stuff, because then people are going to expect, well, they're only going to do it then at D23. That's when we have to pay attention. Then you're going to draw more people coming into it. So are they trying to make D23 this huge Comic-Con thing? It, part of me thinks they are, but then they're not announcing really anything here except the softball crap. So it's like, well, then what's the fucking point? Yeah, and as cool as even the Battlefront 2 stuff was, you know, really the only new information for Star Wars that we really got out of this out of this thing was the stuff about Galaxy's Edge, which again is a very limited audience. Yeah, it's like, look, I, I mean, I, part of me, I, I don't understand. I don't know what they're doing. I thought that this was going to be their new con and it, we just got a whole bunch of stuff. But then I don't know if it's just Disney because they seem they did it with everything so the, there wasn't really that big of an announcement they they released a bit more information from infinity wars but again we didn't get a trailer we didn't get you know interviews extended interviews nothing's been released as of I yet i mean you got a major possible spoiler for infinity wars uh, yeah. uh, just real quick spoiler alert everybody james dropped that hammer Spoiler tag. Yeah, so I think Mark Ruffalo was in an interview with Don Scheidel and Don Cheadle and basically said something to the effect that not everyone dies, but almost everyone dies. And Cheadle had that pained expression that uh, um, the the actor who played... um, That Donnie Yen had. Yeah. uh... (laughs) When uh, when uh, Jung <laughs> dropped that ball. Oh, yeah. He had that same pained expression. They actually made a comment like, Ruffalo was like, I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? And everyone's like, just stop talking about it move on. That's a huge spoiler. I don't know, but it was also at least somewhat hinted. Because if you remember, uh, do, do you remember what happened with uh, with how they came out? I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it either, but I read about it. And literally, they had uh, the director up there. They had Josh Brolin, who plays Thanos, come out there. And then they started introducing characters one by one. And then eventually, they got to like five minutes. She was like, all right, can these heroes beat Thanos? Josh Brolin, no. And they just kept adding and adding and adding. I, I don't think it's a huge spoiler, because I think Tony Stark apparently had a vision of them all dead anyway. Anyway, I... I was reading about it. I was like, oh, look, they had their own Donnie Yen moment. moment. Well, a couple of them, uh, their contracts are up, and I know a couple of actors have expressed interest in that they're done. Yep. And it's been a couple of the ones. Uh, Not Tony Stark. Since, uh, the no, I'm almost certain he's one of the ones that, that's going to punch it. He's like, I don't have to act anymore if I didn't want to. Was there any other Star Wars news that you guys were uh, were kicking about? For me, the the only big thing is... I'm still really excited for Inferno Squad. Some excerpts have come out. I haven't read any of them because I'm expecting it to come out in a week. So I'll just read the whole thing then. I don't have any more Star Wars news, but um, I honestly thought Inferno Squad had already come out. I was like, oh, did I miss it? And I was like, no, it's this week. Well, it's next week, right? Next 
Yes. Next Tuesday, I think. Yes. But yeah, I think that's that for me is really the, the next big thing. There's been some movement in the Star Wars comics. Screams it all wrapped up. They had that new Rebels on the Run uh, piece that was, you know, it was interesting. Definitely not my favorite of them all. Um, did give a little bit of interesting depth to Leia on how she feels about, about Alderaan. Uh, and the fact that, you know, like, it, like, I mean, they, they had the line, I don't know if it's scientifically accurate, but, you know, there's a part where she goes, you, you know, she's looking up at the stars, it's just like, that one there, that's Alderaan. We are so far away from it right now that the light still exists there. And it's coming here. And every now and again, I just get the feeling that her just to take this ship and fly in that direction, eventually I could still see my home. That's deep. Yeah, there's a couple of deep pieces in there, but overall it's, I don't know. You also get some stuff about her childhood. Apparently she was, she ran away a lot. Which one is this in? Uh, this is Star Wars 33. Ah, uh, funny story about that. I was only finally able to buy it today, even though I'm subscribed to it, because of some hacker taking my credit card and using it in France. Oh no. And I had to change everything. And long story short, I literally just bought it yesterday. You know, it's a neat one, but to be honest, that's not the one I'm interested in. I'm interested in Star Wars number 34. Why, you ask? Because, oh boy, there are two characters in it that look to be the lead characters, and I'm very, very interested in how that's going to go down. Do you want me to spoil it for you, sir? Of course. All right. It is... It takes place on Coruscant and, and it involves a terrible plan that has come up that Lando came up with and he's getting Sana to help him. Oh boy. So it's a Lando Sana connection on the planet Coruscant. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> that has bad written all over it. There's a new start, new one starting this month, Mace, uh, not this month, August, Mace Windu. Really? They're revisiting Mace Windu's story. I'm not sure I knew that. Yep. They are revisiting Mace Windu's story. I wonder why. Oh, no. No, not the goddamn Snoke theory. Hey, man, I'm not the one that came out with the comic schedule. You know what? I hope the last piece of that thing is Mace Windu drawing his final breath and being burnt alive by, like, someone who knew the Jedi burial customs. Yes, yes, by Luke Skywalker in the end of episode 9. <laughs> You son of a bitch. You didn't specify. Yeah, I did read, I did end up reading a couple of the Darth Vader ones uh, that were new. Oh, the the new Darth Vader 2 comic? I believe. Alright, so, you know, now we're on to this topic, I've gotta ask. What did you feel about the whole idea? Because it used to be partially because of the way that, you know, they developed the Inquisitors and everything like that, that, you know they were mass producing these th synthetic crystals and that, you know, the lightsabers weren't very special. But in this Vader 2 comic, the whole, the whole reason he's hunting this Jedi is because you must take a lightsaber. Like, you can't build or make one. You must take it from someone else. And, and yeah, that for me was just like, that's new? 
Yeah. Very interesting and ties into what we want from Ahsoka. That's fine by me. Hey, anything that gets them doing that and uh, not killing uh, uh, foremen who are making uh, lower grade steel on some factory world uh, better. So as long as they don't got them doing ch- inane chicken shit like that and actually going out and doing some force related stuff, I'm fine with. But are you okay with him panting heavily and licking my leg like a certain Vader? <laughs> yeah, that got real weird real fast. <laughs> I, only because he li- he literally just came over as he was discussing. Here's what I want Vader to do. I definitely like this Vader as opposed to the Vader, the first Vader comic we got. I like the first Vader comic we got as well, but like Tom said, this is what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, I I have to say I like the first Vader comic. I know you guys weren't super huge fans of it, but I really did like that one. Oh no no no! Don't don't be don't be. Uh, I, I was a fan of it. I liked it. But I like this better. This is more the Vader I know and, and expect. You know, so far out of the the comics so far, do you guys have one that for you has best exemplified who that character is? The Lando comics. The Lando ones for you? Okay. Uh, for me, it's probably the Han Solo comic. Like, that for me is really what I expected Han Solo to be and do. Like, he is that reluctant hero. A lot of that was, in my opinion, like, yeah, him being this incredible spacer, but also trying to do the right thing. I can see that. I'll buy that. Yeah, I just, I'd have to say Vader, because he's, uh, those are the only ones I've really read in full, and uh, I like uh, when they have him just going out killing people, because he's an evil asshole and he hates. Alright everyone, uh, that'll wrap things up for us here tonight. want to go ahead and uh, thank uh, everyone for writing in who did. And also, uh, if you want to comment or leave a message, go ahead and do it on uh, SoundCloud while SoundCloud is still around. Or uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or shoot us an email at coruscantpulse at gmail.com. If you like the show, go ahead and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps the show grow, and maybe one day if we get big enough, we can get a guest on here and ask them the hard-hitting questions. And Red Leader Antilles, I too would like a Star Wars lethal weapon. Oh, that would be fun. 